just what can go wrong? It's a bit of a different Valencia Property Podcast today. We're going to have a different thing. We're not concentrating so much on the on the blogs and on what we've done this month. We're going to give you two new features. One, today, we're going to take you through the process of buying a property in Valencia and point out what can go wrong and what you need to look for at each stage. The truth is, this is such a long and involved discussion that we're going to have two parts. And our first part of 2024 will continue the theme. Today, we're going to talk about the first three stages only the initial search, the first visit, and the viewings. And there's a reason for this. This is what you need to get right and get ready to make a purchase in the comfortable knowledge that you're not gonna be making a big, big mistake. We're also starting the first of our new series of Valencia Stories today, where we look back at the history of something to do with Valencia or a situation in the real estate field you should know about or might want to know about. And today we talk about something that I haven't talked about for over 10 years. If you look back in the blog, you can find things about it. But we're going to talk about Klaus, the dead German builder, and the strange case of property around Montreux. You heard that right. We're going to talk about a dead German builder. As usual, we need to tell you what we've been writing about this month on the blog, and you can find all the links in the show notes, of course. We started with the theme we had on our last podcast about there being no such thing as a stupid question. We then looked into demand for property in Valencia and how it's been affected or otherwise by the interest rate rises of the last year, and there's some surprises in there. After that, we did a full report on all of our current services, and this was done for the people working in the company because we keep forgetting about all the things we do offer to people. From our normal agency services to our Sherlock service to our stepping stone rentals and more, there's something for everyone there, and we finished off the month with an article that for once... I wasn't too happy with, which was the best place to buy in and around Valencia for your budget. Now, why wasn't I happy with it? Simply because it's a bit boring to write that. Not much imagination needed, but just lists of names and places, which, if you don't know the areas, it actually makes no sense. However, it's a question we get asked all the time by everyone. I've got X amount of money, where should I buy? So as we stand at the start of December 2023, that's the current answer in the last blog. I'm so looking forward to the next episode in the higher price ranges, he said convincingly. Today, let's start by going through the process of what could possibly go wrong with this process of buying a property in Valencia or even Spain as a whole. What we do at Valencia Properties to make sure that the process to do everything that follows is as seamless as possible, but it's not always like that. So we're going to look at the stages of the search from when you get the idea of buying a property in Valencia, you know, maybe because you've visited and fallen in love with the place, maybe because you're on another dreary commute into a job you hate, or maybe just because now is the time after having planned this for a long time. So we're going to do it in stages. And the first stage, uh, we've got Dave here with me today and talk about each stage and what problems can come up. And we're sort of winging this. We haven't written like the whole thing down. So we might come up with ideas and swear words in the middle, but we'll see. So Dave, so the initial search, right? When people start looking, most people start searching online rather than walking into an agency or something, right? Mm-hmm. Over 90% of people start searching online. And of course, with our clients, it's about 100% because, yep. you know, well, they're all in different countries. They're not just going to walk into a house. The ones who su- succeed in finding a place usually do their homework. Yeah. 
So what are the problems associated with starting to look online? So the first one that I thought of was uh, web pages with properties that don't exist. What do you think? Well, there's so many portals that you're just doubling up and watering down water. So there's so many repeat listings that you think, oh, there's so many properties for sale. And obviously there isn't. And week on week and month on month, it goes the, the quantity goes down. And what I was going to say as well, people who are coming in six months' time start selling, start sending me their favourites. Yeah, so they go on Eden Lister, for example, and they and get favorite, their favourites. Yeah, yeah, and favourite. Everything going, and we're not sure about this, if we want to be in the city, if we want to be outside the city, if it's going to be a house or an apartment. And that's things you decide when you're on the ground. But if you're looking six months before you arrive... It's nice to get an idea of what's out there, I guess, but there's no point saying, can you comment on all of these and tell me a little bit about them because they're not going to be there if they're any good. You know, so that's, that's probably the, the first pitfall that I think people make is they get all worked up for a year in advance and when they actually hit the ground, it might be a bit disappointing. Oh, I saw something three months ago that looked great and it looked like a good deal. It's like, yeah, yeah and it was. And it was and that's why and it's And we no saw it exists, and yeah. we might have sold it or we know who, 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 who sold it, you know? Yeah. It's like you never, if you haven't sold your house in your own country or you're not ready to buy because you haven't got a mortgage to arrange or mm. something like that, it's really not worth setting your heart on any of these properties because they're, they're likely to be gone. Mm. Right? So we had an email from somebody this morning said, I really, really, really like this. I'll be there in five weeks. And I think they've got a much better chance of that one than the last one they sent a month ago. And they said, I really, really like this. I'll be there in nine weeks. And it sold in two days. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I get it though because we've actually we might have one in in the pipeline for a client that I met in July is coming back after Christmas, and I sent a, uh, we've got a, a sniff of a property that could really work for you guys when you come over, and they kind of like oh great, so it's good to remind us that you will be joining us soon, and and, and you know we, we're so busy at the moment with so many different things going on, and also leading up to Christmas as well, we do lose track. So yeah. Keep nudging us and keep saying, oh, this is good. I'm going to be there soon. Keep me, remember me, put me in your calendar, etc., etc." Uh, the other thing is as well, whatever you've experienced of real estate in wherever you come from, it doesn't necessarily relate to how it works in Spain. It's very different. <laughs> it's very, very, very well, different. Spain is different. That's Spain what is different, they, yeah. That's what they say, but I know... Things that have happened recently where, well, this never happened when I we bought property before in so-and-so, so-and-so. And you kind of go, well, yeah, but that's on a different continent. So, you, you know, we're kind of here to try to make it as easy as possible. But even then, there can be little things which drive us all insane. But that's the part of the job and that's part of the... T it goes with the territory because every single sale that we've done, there always seems to be something new. That yeah. Things crop up constantly in the new... Laws changing this year with the VPO and, you know, all this kind of stuff that we're probably going to talk about later on. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress for, for, for all of us. Well, you say some things come up. I mean, my daughter's buying a place at the moment. And, hmm. um, she, something's come up on that, which I've never heard of before. And um, <laughs> neither of the agent who was running it. So what's happened? Uh, it's an inheritance and they need to do what's called a segregation. And... They've segregated it, and it's come back from the property registry with a note on it saying you can't, it can't be sold for another 14 months, just in case somebody turns up and disputes the segregation. Hmm. And it's like, oh, how do we get around that? So that's what I've been doing that this morning, seeing how we can get around that and make it possible for her to buy it. We've got a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D, which is quite good, I think. So, um, you know, four plans, one of them will come off, probably. 
Because that thing they used to be the Article 51 when it was The Article 51 was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, but that all of a sudden it was null and void in September 2021, I think. Yeah. So things that we'd been putting off signings that couldn't go through, we all, in September of that year, because it was wiped out, that law, we, we, we did a lot of sales. Just in case you didn't know what um, Clause 51 is, because nobody seemed to know what it was, hmm. it was just in case you had a great-great-grandfather who'd gone over to the, well, to South America or Central America and had an illegitimate child who came back to make a claim on the estate when there was an inheritance. That was a fun one. And that would stop a sale going through, because potentially somebody could turn up to, in the two years after and say, that's my house now. <laughs> yeah, no, but you could buy it. But if yeah, the banks wouldn't give you a mortgage. No, a person. But that was that's another issue, and that was a. Uh, but that's that was a big headache. We had a couple of things that, what, that fell through because of that. But then, mm -hmm. then it was all and then it was out. okay. Yeah. Well, that's similar to this one because it's like a, a time period placed on it in case somebody comes up. So there are portals which you look on for properties with, and then everyone advertising on the portal is generally an estate agent. So when you get in touch, this is one of the problems. They don't get back to you. Why? We seem to get a lot more emails at the weekend. Certainly on a Sunday, I understand if people are in Northern Europe and, and also in the States, uh, downtime and you might not spend as much time outdoors as we tend to do here. And that's when we get hammered on the emails because people are sitting around looking at the computers. But I think people are just clicking through and inquiring about so many properties that most agents, when they see it's a foreign person, uh, will struggle to communicate in English. And, not, and if it's certainly a foreign prefix number, they'll think, well, it's unlikely they'll have a follow through and they're just window shopping. And they're not going to answer the phone if yeah, it's a foreign number. Yeah, of course. Number, I mean, I understand that. You know, everybody's busy and, and you can only deal with what's in front of you. So if you think, well, we do that because we can arrange that in three months' time somebody's going to be with us and you keep them in mind and you do lots of work leading up to where before they even arrive. But I think agents on the ground, they run ragged by wind, uh, tie kickers. Yeah. No, yeah. tie kickers, window shoppers, whatever you want to call it. And uh, they can only deal with their day-to-day. -day. And you see them running around with the tongue hanging out because they're, they're absolutely hammered from 10 in the morning till 8, 9, 10 at night. Yeah, Usually what? out doing v v viewings back-to-back. Well, apart from that, when they're in their office, they're expected to be calling up, well, cold calling people to try mm. and get listings as well. Mm. So if you ring up with your like German prefix, British prefix, Amer prefix, American prefix or whatever, they're generally not picking up that phone call. And if you send them an email, they're generally not answering the email either because they look at it in a different language and they don't think of using anything like Google Translate or anything like that. They just think this is going to be a world of pain for me because I've got this potential client who might buy that place, and this person who sent me the message isn't here and is not coming for a long time. So that's why you don't get a response, right? Well, the level of English isn't gonna be great. It's, it's still a bit kind of Valencia, 20 years ago when I arrived, you know, there was very, I didn't know any English speaking people whatsoever. So I just think the agent's probably thinking, it's gonna to be too much hassle. I'm gonna either have to get a translator or, or really improve my English very quickly, but I've got a couple of Spanish clients over the next few days to keep me ticking over. What's happened recently though, you could certainly see a downturn in the local market because all the agents are, seem to be sitting in the office bogging us with these stupid phone calls and, <laughs> and voice messages and I'm gonna send you this property that's I've just fallen into my lap and they send you pictures and videos and you kind of go, 
yeah, well, that's not great. So thanks, but I'll keep it in mind. And then yeah, I saw that one about six months ago with another eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got this really good interest in objects has just come in, and it's like, oh, you've listed that one as well. Yeah, we saw it. You know, a few weeks ago with somebody else, and didn't even like it then. So mm-hmm. one of the other things about the um, the portals and the idiot listener and that is, as an individual. You can actually uh, list for free on Idealistic. You can list up to two properties. So the amount of scammers that are on there. So if you see something that is much too good to be true, in 99.9% of the cases, it is too good to be true. Now, you will get a response from them because they are trying to scam you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you will get a response from them. Um, but, you know, the usual things apply. Do not send any money over, uh, like to put a reserve down until you can come over. You're never going to see that money again. There's so many scams online at the moment. It's like, you've got to be really careful. Hmm. Yeah, we, we've had, they've tried that on us and it's, it's actually quite funny. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get in those sort of inquiries recently as well, which we seem to think are bots or whatever you want to call it. No? Whether it's, it's the, the similarly worded email inquiry from very random names or strange email addresses. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're just fishing. They're just trying to tap you up. And when you get six inquiries in under less than two minutes, it's because there's mm-hmm. some machinery going on in the background, I guess. Yeah, so obviously when you come to Valencia, you're going to use us at Valencia Property. But in the rest of Spain, one of these things that you should uh, look out for, I suppose, is the finding a reliable realtor or a state agent. Now, we took on the realtor model uh, when we decided to uh, concentrate on international buyers so that we actually work with our buyer. We're a buyer's agent, if you want, a uh, personal property shop or whatever you want to call it. But you've got to bear in mind, in the majority of cases, the estate agent who is listing that property you are interested in is getting paid by the person who they're listing the uh, property for. So they're not going to tell you any problems about the property. So when you're on your initial search, just bear that in mind. The people that you're talking to in general are not going to tell you the problems of a property, maybe? Well, they're only going to show their own listings as well because it's in their own interest and it's a lot easier for them to just to rock up with the keys and contact their own. They're going to get paid more when there's that conflict of interest. But I speak to these agents and they obviously know how we work and I always say to agents that we work well with or the ones that we prefer to, to work with or like, and I usually say, oh, we've just seen one around the corner that so-and-so, so-and-so has, you might know it. And 99 times out of 100, they say, oh, I didn't know about that one. And it's like, well, if you're in this neighborhood and you're selling a property, you should probably know what else is for sale, yeah. at least in the vicinity that you're trying to control or trying to compare with. When we do know the market really well, but a lot of the local agents, they, they're not online as much as we are, I don't think, and they don't actually know beyond what they've got themselves. Yeah, and it's the thing about understanding how estate agency and property sales work, both in Valencia and the rest of Spain, I think. It's like you don't just walk into an estate agency. Like in the States, you choose your realtor and they've got access to everything. Well, that's essentially what you do with us. But if you just see an estate agent's like, you know, the normal neighborhood estate agent online and you go there, they're only going to offer what they've got and they'll take you to see stuff that you don't want to see because it's the only thing that they have got. They might have one or two properties that interest you, but they're going to take you to see five or six others, which you, they just hope you'll get bored and eventually buy something, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, obviously it works for them and that's how they've always operated, but well, I think at the moment 600 agents, probably a few less nowadays because there's a few falling by the wayside as we go through the year. Um, they just seem to be 
what we call pissing in the wind, and I don't know how they make ends meet. And Especially now we can't do it, they can't charge for rentals. Yeah, and they seem to be chasing us a lot for, oh, I've got this really interesting thing for one of your kind of clients, and what that, that's usually code for a foreigner who's got more money than sense, and we kind of go, well, no, well, that's too expensive for what it is, and yeah. no, we won't be bringing a client round, and you think we're all born yesterday just because... Well, that's another thing that's very interesting. It's like we don't just list anything. Hmm. You know, to get on our website, it's got to be actually quite good, whether it's quite good because of the price, because of the location, because of the possibilities, but it's got to be quite good. There's got to be a reason it's on there. Well, we've started to list more expensive properties the last few months because all the cheap stuff goes very quickly. And literally, yeah. I think the one that we sold or we haven't signed for it yet, but I put it on a Tuesday and by Thursday we'd had a full price offer. At yeah. the lower end, you know. Without visiting. Are, yeah, without from a distance. People who, who have already been here, they know the areas, they'd already bought another property as well, so they're kind of, they're looking to top up the golden visa, and it's like, yeah, that works. If, if you think it's going to go, and it's going to be easy either for midterm or long-term or stepping stones rentals or whatever can be done, they're, they're more than happy to, to trust us to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had colleagues, Paul, for example, sold a, a, a really nice property earlier this year, and they weren't even here. Yeah, and it was it was a high budget, and because they they'd done the homework and then left, sent it across. What do you think of this? Yeah, this is great, lovely views. Can, can you do a video? Can you yeah, do a video? And that's, a video. That's, that's what we do. Yeah. You, can, you don't always get lucky. If you're only here for a week, then it, the stars have to align. Sometimes you have to go away and have a second stab at it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the first stage. The second stage is when you actually come to visit. What problems can come up when you visit? Well, the first thing I've thought of is you haven't prepared it beforehand. So you phone me up on a Monday and you say, we're here. And I go, who are you? They say, we're here on the ground. We want to go and see some properties. And we don't know what you want. We don't know what your budget is. We don't know anything about you at all. Our answer generally when you do that is, well, we're actually busy with clients who we've been preparing with for months. And Mm. all my agents, all all my colleagues are out with people. So what are the preparations you should do before you come over in order to not get that answer from us? Well, we always say, let us know your dates. I've got the standard reply. Obviously, we all use a, a pretty standard model of reply when it's the first contact explaining, read this article. Uh, let me know when you're here and we'll line up to do the, the, the NIE appointment, give a power of attorney, go and open a bank account. doesn't have to be on the first day, but within a week you should really... Try and get everything in line just in case you see that one property that's going to be good, that's going to sell very quickly, and you can, you, you'll be able to move on it rather than get to Friday and say, oh, yeah, I really like this one. And you kind of go, well, you'll have to come back next week then, won't you? If, you, if your flight's booked for tomorrow and there's nothing you can do about it, you can pay a reserve, but you're going to have to come back and then start the process. So if you're 100% sure or even 95% sure that you're going to eventually end up in Spain, not necessarily Valencia, in Spain, you apply for your and I because there's a big waiting list and just get it out of the way. And it's not, it's a drop in the ocean if you're looking at spending several hundreds of thousands of euros on a property. Yeah, I think one of the worst things you can do or you can say to us really is when we say, right, we need to organize your orientation day and we need to take you to a bank to open a bank account and we need to take you to apply for your NIA number. If you say to us, oh, I'm not quite ready to do that, that's problematic. Because you're going to need to do it if you're going to buy a place. And that just says to us that you've landed in our lap and you're already here, that you're on holiday and maybe you're a bit bored 
and you want to look at some houses. We cannot just drop everything for people like that because we are so busy. So if you are not prepared to get your near number, at least start the process, and not prepared to open your bank account, you can't buy without those two things. If we deal with three or four clients each per week, and you're not even going to meet us halfway on something like that, then guess what? I'm probably going to be focusing on the other clients who have given us lots of warning, who have sent us what they want, their requirements, and usually the Zoom call or the phone call a couple of weeks in previously or even months or years in advance, just mm -hmm. because as much as a client filters their agent, we can filter it the same way. It, it works both ways, doesn't it? It's like, well, these people don't really seem like they're ready, and we should focus on maybe some other people. There's so many inquiries, and it, it sounds, I don't know, maybe it sounds arrogant, but we can kind of pick who we work with because we think that we're going to have more success in the yeah, last couple of years. It's been proven to be that way. Yeah, I think one of the things that, uh, I think this is more to do with Brits rather than Americans, for example. Uh, they come over and they haven't chosen an estate agent or a realtor to work with beforehand. They just saying, right, I'm seeing this person on Monday morning, I'm seeing this person on Monday afternoon, I'm seeing another one on Tuesday morning, I'm seeing another one on Tuesday afternoon. And then you take them out and you say, right, I've got another couple which might suit you. And they say, oh, we're busy. They never tell you what they're busy with, but yep. we know what you're busy with. And you don't get to see the stuff that once we've actually talked to you, we know what you're going to want and where it can be and things like that. Now, those who work with us, they send us beforehand the form, as we call it, mm. the form. So we say, these are my must-haves, these are my would-likes, these are my mustn't-haves, etc. And we get that a long time before you come over. And we'll be honest with you, if it's not available, we'll say, yeah, you, you are actually pissing in the wind. Uh, that isn't going to happen. I think everybody's got the right to choose who they work with. It's not a problem. But I know for a few weeks ago, there was, we did take a client out, uh, had to drive out around, do a bit of orientation, show a few places in it. While we're in the car, the, the partner was in the back talking on the phone to another agent because mm -hmm. I could kind of hear what they were on about. Oh, we're out with so-and-so today. Maybe you know them. And yeah, we'll see you Saturday, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of go, well, that's fine. It just You don't have to... It's, it's, it doesn't matter. You can just tell us and say, we're going to meet so-and-so next week. And it's usually somebody will know and we'll go, oh, great. They're sound. Or, oh, I don't know that person. Maybe I should find out who it is. And maybe yeah, we, we tell can... that lie, don't we? The, if, if we think they're really bad, we don't know them. If they're okay, well, they're sound. <laughs> I, kind of, I can't name names, obviously, but we do say, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's uh, good, good. Well, good. Yeah, fine. And that you kind of... No, but we know agents who do operate similarly to you know the, yeah. the business model, and you kind of go, yeah, I know that person from a few years ago, or whenever, and they're they're fine, and good luck to you. And if they find you the right property, that's great. But you don't have to hide that from us, and it's, it's we're all working to find what you want. Mm -hmm. And if they find what you want and I don't, well, that's my fault. But good luck to you, and you found a property. At least I can look you in the eye in a few months and go, how's things? Are we? Is everything okay? Yeah. So the third thing is, on your first visit, you're going to do viewings to properties. So what are the problems that you can find out when you're doing viewings? What, what things can you do wrong, if you like? And the, I think the first thing is not being flexible on timings and the time periods between visits, right? Because mm. it's not like this one, this one, this one, this one. Well, it used to be like that when we could get several properties in a certain area. People obviously used to look at Ruth Affer a lot more 
then back in the day when prices were still good for investments, for return on investments. And I think it was last week and we had three viewings in three parts of town. So obviously you put at least an hour between the viewings and mm -hmm. it's not a problem to sit down and have a coffee because there's always lots of information to give out and have a chat and you sound out people's interests, what they like, if they like a sports centre around the corner. That it's, it's all good information. But we used to, and the thing is on the first day as well, you do need to take a bit more time on the viewings because there's a lot more to explain. Now, after two or three days in, you don't have to say, well, this isn't a supporting wall. It's all pillars and beams here, as yeah. we usually do. So the first day is kind of, you have to take it a bit steady. The, one of the problems is when you've arranged for 10 o'clock and the people swan along at 20 past 10, yeah. uh, which in theory, in 10 minutes time, you just have to chip off and you have to get to the next one. So I would say... Nowadays, I say, well, come at court too and we'll meet and have a cup of coffee. And if you want to, you know, pick my brains for 15 minutes or half an hour, it's probably that worth your while. Yeah. Rather than rock up late in a taxi, you're looking around, don't know where the hell you are. And then it's like, hi, I'm Dave. We're going to go and see this and this, but we've got to go in five minutes mm -hmm. because obviously... I don't, I don't, I'm never demanding people turn up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's like 10, 11, 12, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, Spain doesn't start at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, one of the problems we have as well, you arrange an agenda of four or five properties and the night before the agent phones you up on the first one or the second one and say, I've just taken a reserve, so we're not going to be seeing it. So that's yeah. when you find you have these very random gaps during the day where we just have to sit around and it's nice, you can sit out, we have a cup of coffee, which is costly. You get the light coffee. You yeah, get the light yeah, coffee. yeah. This is, I've, I've had about six today, this is why I'm... Uh, That's why you're speaking fast. Yeah, yeah, rattling away. Yeah. Um, one of the other things is uh, the expectation to see too many properties and, and there's a couple of expectations in there, I think. The expectation, like, I'm going I'm to see 25 properties before I decide. If you're very clear about what you want, there are not 25 properties which will match those requirements. In fact, you'll be lucky if the there are five. Mm. There might only be one. Mm. <laughs> and if you see one great property that ticks all your boxes, go for it. Yeah. Because there are not 20 more just like it. Yeah. I wish there were. Well, the problem is when you get it right on the first day and then people think, oh, this is getting exciting, but we've still got the rest of the week arranged with maybe one agent or other agents and you might end up coming back and what people usually do is oh, I prefer the ones we saw on the first day because we tend to pick the better ones doesn't always fall like that but you want to it's more time efficient and sometimes we can be too efficient because people do need to kiss some frogs and see some crap mm. along the way to actually reinforce well, we always say if you know if I my eyes light up and you start enthusing about property ourselves because we see so many you should probably go yeah they really like this one there's obviously something about it because yeah, and the other thing is we're not really good actors so we can't really put that on well we don't <laughs> we don't get carried away with with the 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 also runs you know but when you do see a good one it's kind of like yeah i mean you can keep looking but i don't think we're going to do much better than this i mm -hmm. saw one a few days ago actually in now molly's and Gavin went to see it as well, and he's actually going back this afternoon to do a second viewing because as soon as we saw it, he came just after me to go and do the viewing, like literally to go and do a video for somebody who's not here this week. And I spoke to him later on, and he went, yeah, that's really good for, for the price for the area. It's excellent. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that always surprises me is that we... We show people three things which they really, really love. And it's like, oh, yeah, be between one of those three things. Uh, which, which are we going to see tomorrow? 
And it's like, no, 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 there's those three. Yeah. That, that is it, yeah. you know. I think one of the expectations of seeing too many properties, it, it comes from living in places where properties are sort of like all the same, hmm. whereas here, they're not all the same. They've all got the, you know, the different facades. For example, in apartments, you've got different facades, you've got different building characteristics and things like that. You don't get cookie cutter, like let's call it in the UK, Barrett homes, which all look the same and there might be five on the same estate for sale. And they're all the same. They're all the same size plot. There's like, yeah, one of them might be slightly decorated a bit better, but they're all the same. So it doesn't really matter. You don't get that here. You get one that might be decorated like in the 1960s uh, but it's got potential. Mm. One that might have been done up by somebody about six years ago and has got a really shiny kitchen. And one that's just been done up by a developer, but they've done it really cheaply and you'd probably have to redo the redevelopment and things like that. So what we're looking at is things that are always very different. And two flats opposite in a hall will be very different because, as we said before, they'll knock walls down and open out spaces, which mm. will make an interior space very, very different. And I think one of the other things we get is we'll show people stuff and then they'll say, yeah, but in my favourites, I've got these. And they'll show us some and we'll go, yeah, but you can't buy that. Because, for example, it's VPO, which is like council housing and things like that. And you're not allowed to buy it as a foreigner or even as a resident if you don't have certain criteria to yourself. For example, you've got to earn under a certain amount and things. And you've got to be on the register of somebody who wants a council house. So you can't buy that. But it's still listed in Idealista when you see it and on the portals. It never says, you can't buy this. Very rarely. I think a lot of the agents, just they're, they're so desperate to get the listings on, they don't actually do the, the simple background checks because, I mean, I don't think anybody does actually. You don't I get another simply for absolutely every single property that you list because it'd be impossible. I, I actually think just... they do these days because they get so few. Maybe they, they, certain they agents to, do, but yeah. you know we've tried to get. We've seen we've had clients. They've seen something great, and it's it's ended up to be a it turned out to be a VPO, and it's kind of disappointing because you you go oh we'll go back to the drawing board now. We'll try and find something as good as that in the same area for a similar price, and you go well, there was one, and the one in mind that we couldn't sell earlier this year, a couple of months ago, is still listed for the same price, and it's still good. But there's so many people going to see it thinking, that's great, and actually, no, you can't. It's been listed by other agents now, mm -hmm. and I don't think they know either. And if yeah. the owner isn't telling them, then they should be shot because, you know... Yeah, they're wasting a lot of people's time. Yeah, you have to be on a register. You have to have a, a certain amount of income. Um, there's a big long list of requirements, which I've got written down. So somebody sent me a link, and... Well, you wrote the article as well. It's forget about it. Yeah, you, you just if you're not a resident, you can't. That's v the first thing. VPO, yeah. forget about it. Bank, I, I bank property, forget about it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, that's another thing. Bank properties. You you'll see online uh, that certain times there are properties which they'll always say no commission, and they come from the bank, but you can't buy them. I mean, I've tried, honestly, I've tried here myself because every now and again one comes up and I've been here 20 odd years. I had ooh, five months trying to buy two garage places from a bank mm. and then I eventually managed to buy two garage places from a different bank, but that was only after giving up on the first two because it was so difficult. It was just such a pain because the know your client requirements are just ridiculous even if you've been here. If you haven't been here and the money's coming from abroad, forget it. 
there's no way you're getting those bank properties, unfortunately, which is a real pity. But that's why they're online for so long and they're available for so long. Well, I think the game's rigged as well because I inquired on a Friday a few weeks ago about something I th- thought was really good, good investment. You can either flip it or rent it out, and it was absolutely excellent. And it's an area that I've, I've known as long as I've been here, which is now 23 years. Inquired on the Friday, on the Friday afternoon, that they'd already done viewings during that day and I hadn't I'd kind of missed out on the slot to get in to see it and taken a full price reserve on the same afternoon. I was going to see it on the Monday lunchtime. That's actually quite funny because that same day, if you remember, I saw one and I said, this is interesting. And rather than me getting in touch with it, knowing about the fact that I'd had the, um, I'd had the experience with the garages, I decided to get my lawyer to do it. And my lawyer used to work in a bank and he's on the register and he didn't get an answer. It's, it's like he didn't get an answer. Yeah. I got back in touch with him on the Monday and I said, have we had, a, have we had an answer about this? And he went, nope. <laughs> I've inquired about a few this year and I think I've struck out on every single one. And I've been here 23 years and yeah, if it's, in, if it's impossible for us, then imagine if you've only been here for a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think one of, the, one of the main things about viewings though is it's just the expectation that you're going to see four billion properties it's not going to happen there aren't that many available if it if it's good we'll show you it we will show you it yeah we're not holding it back <laughs> yeah there's no lock boxes we have to arrange with the agents and the owners and sometimes the tenants as well who do definitely don't want you to be there and have to maybe find something else for the similar price that they've locked into three or four years ago and uh it's it's it takes, I say this a lot, it takes me longer to arrange the viewings than do the viewings. Yeah. Because you inquire on a Monday morning about a client you might be dealing with on a Friday, I need to see this at 11 o'clock this coming Friday, and they won't answer you till Wednesday because it's, it's in the back of their mind because it's so far down, down the line. It's yeah. only because I'm trying to arrange it Monday morning because I know for Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm full on, and I haven't got the time to do it. So we kind of try and you know, get it all sorted well in advance and they might even stick, say, fine, that's no problem. And then on the Thursday, they say, oh, yeah, I didn't write that one down. Sorry. Is it all right if you come at eight o'clock at night? By which time we're probably... Oh, on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got, uh, got the, you know, my, my slippers on and the, and, and the sherry and the pipe and the cigars up. Yeah. It's, um, I think one last thing on the viewings is the expectations for your viewings. Uh, don't expect it to look like in the photos. And that can be good or that can be bad. You know, it could actually be a lot better than it looks in the photos because the photos are absolute rubbish. Or it could be a totally false impression that you've been given. And honestly, these days with, uh, let's just say AI and various different things, people manage to make flats that are totally empty look as if they really are furnished really well. Yeah, we can see people's places coming, tell me what you think, give us an idea of, you know, a valuation, an informal thing. And then you kind of go, oh, well, that sounds very nice. Okay, let's go for that. And we say, well, while we're here, why don't we take some pictures? You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 I'll wait a minute. I've got to tidy up. And then three weeks later, you're still waiting to go back and, and things, mm-hmm. you know. So people seem to think that we, I don't know if we, they think we've got loads of time to do this sort of stuff. But if we're going to go, then maybe, you know, we're, we're going to be there ready on the spot to, to do these sorts of things. I was asked the other day to go and take pictures of a place uh, and I got there and they said, oh, I didn't think you were going to take the pictures today. I haven't cleaned up. Yeah. 45 minutes it took me to get there. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, okay, I'll come back another day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you wanted me to make the beds. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I mean, seriously, it would have been one of those where the description would have been perfect because it would have, <laughs> had, it would have been talking about the photos. They would have been awful. It really yeah, would. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
sometimes the owners don't really stage places very well. They've got too much clutter and... Uh, I'll just translate. Sometimes, always. Well, <laughs> you know, some places look great, but, you know, I think uh, the, the, the way... Certainly, if, if it's a Spanish owner, they're, they're not worried about ventilating, opening up, or getting any light on the on the issue. It's uh, oh yeah, you're not going to have any uh, coffee in the kitchen and bread no, smells no, and things no, like that over definitely here. Definitely not. Or maybe the oh, the kids have just gone and haven't had a chance to tidy up yet, and it's like, well, okay, well, we've come to do the pictures and we've arranged to do this. So, and then you have to work it into the description, like you say, which we usually do. But you know, it gives us something to work with on the descriptions. At yeah, least. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's 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 all about content, and it's it's good to get even I've, most people can see past a you know a filthy a dirty pig or a filthy <laughs> a filthy owner and 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 see good bones and, and know what they're doing. Okay, so we'll continue looking at these issues about each stage of the buying process in the next podcast. But now, as promised, we're going to talk about Klaus, the dead German builder. So finally today, Klaus, the dead German builder. Now there are many reasons we don't go to some areas to offer properties. They vary from personal preference to distance to value for money to any number of other reasons. But there's a specific reason why we don't do much in the Montreux and Montserrat areas. And that, or rather he, is known as Klaus, the dead German builder. Now Klaus, rest his corrupt soul supposedly, shuffled off this mortal coil and some have said it was remarkably convenient the timing of his death somewhere abroad. He shuffled off this mortal coil some time ago. However, Klaus is not the only bad guy in this story. The corruption was endemic via Zodiac Villas, a Surrey and Spain-based estate agency, with a company home in what is known as Spain in the fiscal paradise of the Isle of Man. They promoted the houses, the lawyer of the builder and the agency were also involved, the local mayor was involved, the local architect was involved, and anyone who had their finger in the pie. Eventually, 16 people were sentenced for this scam, and it would have been 19 if the remains of Klaus could be found, and two other people hadn't totally skipped the country. But yes, 16 people were sentenced in 2018, and that's a long time after all of this happened. So what happened? Zodiac Villas promoted new-build villas in and around Montreuil. It was on land that in many cases they didn't own, that was not urbanised and was actually in many cases rustic land. The big problem that Bias had is that Klaus, the dead German, was actually a very good builder and he had a good architect working for him. So when he started, he did a few legal houses and these were the ones that were always shown to potential buyers as examples. They were excellent. When you come to Valencia, we recommend lawyers to you. But there's a hugely important thing to remember. The lawyers are independent from us. If they say don't buy, for whatever reason, then all good. The lawyers recommended to buyers of Klaus's houses were working on the books of Zodiac Villas, who were the promoter and the agency, of course. In other words, your lawyer was actually employed by the builder and represented their interests, not yours. Over the years, Klaus built around 95 villas in Montreuil, all without licences, without bank guarantees for the clients and without any sort of legal guarantees. In many cases, the properties were finished and those who had paid for them got to actually live in them, but their nightmare didn't end there. There were no deeds for them because there was no building licence. There was no guarantee they wouldn't be knocked down, although, as far as I know, they all remain standing to this day 
But the value of these illegal properties was well below the amounts that the owners had put into the properties, leaving them trapped, having lost their savings, with little chance of any long-term salvation by being able to sell their property. A few years ago, I went to see one which had actually been made legal. It had taken 10 years and the health of the owners, and they were now selling in order to try and put this hellscape behind them. The house would normally be valued at around 300000 at the time, but they were selling for 168000 because nobody, but nobody, wants a Klaus house. Despite its legality, there would be no chance of many making any changes, and the electric was still a generator that the people living in the Klaus houses there had clubbed together to pay for. Drinking water was also from a lorry that visited regularly to fill up the tank as they were still on the agricultural water supply, which again, I think, had been connected up illegally when the houses were built. Now, the mayor finished up in prison for a short time. And just a little aside here, the mayor ran a company that did the electrics for all of the houses. Can you guess why he wanted to give a building license to Klaus for so many houses? Many of those involved with Zodiac Villas finished up in prison too, and there were plenty of people involved who made themselves scarce or disappeared completely, many back to the UK. However, if you think they remain locked up, then the answer is no. The maximum sentence handed out was rather less than the 16 years demanded by the prosecution. A plea deal got the mayor two years and others 18 months. And there's a weird and wonderful thing in Spain that if you are sentenced for less than two years and it's your first offence, you serve no jail time, as long as you pay any outstanding fines or retribution. Think Messi and Ronaldo and lately Shakira in their tax fraud cases. I know that Messi and Ronaldo were actually sentenced to less than two years, but they paid all of the tax back. Those involved were sentenced eventually in 2018, 12 years after the monies were taken, and of course, when the case was going through, the rats started fighting with each other. The ex-mayor, the developer, and the companies who provided the work, all claiming that the now defunct and having fled the country head of Zodiac Villas, kept all the cash. We'll keep an open mind on that. Klaus, though, remains an enigma, and he remains buried in the ground somewhere, possibly. Though I believe nobody has ever seen his death certificate, his obituary, or his grave. So maybe he's just laughing it up on a remote Caribbean island now. And one day he'll listen to this podcast and he'll contact us for a laugh and maybe a conversation. If you read Spanish, there's an article about the trial in the show notes. We hope you enjoyed the first story from Valencia Stories. If you were involved, you definitely did not enjoy this story. But if you weren't, just think of it as a case to make sure that you employ a lawyer who is totally, totally separated from the developer of your property. In the next episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about making offers, putting together contracts, completion and post-purchase, and what can go wrong there. So yes, we've told you a lot of what can go wrong here and we'll continue in the next pod. But the reality is we know what we are doing and everyone we work with knows too. So we avoid these problems largely. But that's not to say we never come up against them. After all, how do you think we know about them? Also, we'll be looking back at 2023 in the Valencia property market, pointing out the trends, what was sold, where, to who, and looking forward to another year of selling property in Valencia as we reach our 25th anniversary. And we might talk more about the latest blogs and properties as well. We'll definitely have our second Valencia story, and I'll give you a clue here, it's all going to be about the financial crisis in 2008. So yes, it's going to be another fun one. What happened before the crisis itself, 
how it was different from a crisis in the rest of the world, and what came next. Until then, goodbye. We hope you enjoyed the latest Valencia Property Podcast. And if you celebrate it, happy Christmas. If you don't, happy holidays. And if you want to get in touch with us, remember, it's information at valenciaproperty.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. You can get in touch with me by WhatsApp as well. Just look on the blog and then send me a WhatsApp and say, Hi, Graham, how are you doing? That was a bit different, wasn't it?